Welcome back to Trennis Magnus, Jab's Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and what I've been doing lately is watching a bunch of different movies. You see, boys and girls, what's been going on lately is, as I've hopefully made clear by now, you know, considering the episode about Justice League that I did all by myself, along with the episode I did with Rebecca Johnson about Justice League, Hopefully by now, it's been made pretty clear to most of you that I've been a eh, little bit disappointed with, uh, the, I guess, the shapes of things that are going on right now with the DCEU. I mean, for those of you who don't know, I was never one of those uh, DCEU skeptics. You know, pretty much right from the start, I was on board with Man of... Well, not right from the start, but I'm saying that like once I actually saw the movie... I was on board with Man of Steel, and I was definitely on board with Batman v Superman, and along comes Justice League, and bleh. You know, it just, the wheels sort of came off the wagon a little bit for me. So, anyway, so there was that, and so I guess just to kind of, uh, I guess put a bow around, you know, the DCEU element of all of this. Basically, I'm a little bit out of sorts with the DCEU. Maybe that's the best way to put it. So, I uh, got that going on. So, what about things that are happening, so to speak, on the other side of the pond? You know, with, with uh, the MCU. And here again, I mean, guys, for those of you who don't know, I really enjoyed Marvel Phase 1. Really, I, I really liked that. I thought those were some great movies. You know, all of them, really. I mean, I maybe could take or leave Iron Man 2, but, you know, broadly, there's not an out-and-out stinker anywhere in the whole bunch, you know? I just really dig Phase 1, you know? Uh, everything that started with Iron Man and then going right on through to the first Avengers movie, there you go. I mean, I just really get into that. But uh, here again, it's like the bloom is a little bit off the rose, at least for me. You know, I remember very clearly, in fact, I remember that there was a time when comic book movies, when they were silly, they were they tended to be very upsetting for fans, you know? And I look at what's going on right now with with Marvel and it's like 
I, I, I get that what a lot of people like about the MCU is how fun they are, but it's just when I watch these movies these days, I don't think fun. You know, I think these movies aren't even trying to take themselves seriously anymore. And so, you know, whether you agree with that or whether you disagree with that, honestly, that's not really the point. The point of it is, I'm just not really getting into a lot of this newer Marvel stuff, guys. So, so there's that. And so, all of this is kind of a long way of saying that I had an opportunity over the course of the past week or so <clears throat> to kind of reappraise all of the different X-Men movies that there have been. You know, and I'm kind of putting an asterisk beside that because there are really two X-Men or X-Men related movies that I actually, that I still haven't seen. But, you know, in general, I think it would be fair to say that, yes, I've basically seen the X-Men movies. So anyway, and it kind of became a little bit of a viewing project whereby I bought a new movie every single night and then I watched a new movie every single night and then the next night watched a different movie then the next night watched a, a, a different movie so on and so on right <clears throat> and what i really took away from that experience was you know what i'm not saying that all of these movies are knock it out of the park home run winners or anything like that but you know what these movies not bad you know and so what i wanted to do was just kind of take a stroll down can't really say memory lane but maybe the the X-Men franchise as it is up to this point and I don't reevaluate it maybe or something I don't know and just by way of disclaimer let me just say that what I'm about to say about these X-Men movies it does not preclude any possibility that I'm gonna do a standalone episode about one or possibly all of these movies I reserve the right to do that. It may happen, it may not. I'm not making any promises or announcements or anything like that. I'm just saying that I may want to revisit this subject or more than one of these subjects in the future. So, you know, this isn't necessarily my final word on the matter is, I guess, that's what I'm trying to say. So anyway, so to take it from the top, you've got the first X-Men movie, which came out in the year 2000. <clears throat> and, you know, I remember when that movie came out and a lot of people seemed to really enjoy it and they fell in love with it and all that stuff and I saw it and you know kind of have to count myself among them I enjoyed it it it's one of those movies that just it didn't really mean all that much to me you know I mean I, I enjoyed myself while I watched it but it's not I didn't consider this to be the greatest thing that I'd ever seen I mean my life was not changed by this movie and that happens sometimes like you see a movie you know, you see the right movie at the right time, and who knows, maybe it will change your life. The first X-Men movie is not one of those kinds of movies, at least for me. So, <clears throat> and so I, that was my, my clearest recollection of that movie before sitting down for my big rewatch. And this was the first time I'd seen the first X-Men movie in, like, start to finish. It, geez, it's got to have been years. Uh... If someone were to tell me that I haven't seen the first X, or rather that I hadn't seen the first X, uh, X-Men movie start to finish in something like 10 years or something like that. Yeah, I could believe that. Sure, why not? It had been a long time. You know, 10 years or not, it had been a really freaking long time. And maybe that's the point. So one of the things that struck me 
as I watched this movie though was how X-Men-ish this movie is not. You know, and if you're familiar with the movie, odds are you probably know what I'm talking about, where, yeah, you've got this team running around that uh, they call themselves the X-Men, but are they? And yeah, all of these people that are running around and are basically driving the narrative of this movie and the story and all that, they're mutants, but are they? And yeah, you know, these are the characters that we all remember from X-Men comics and whatnot, but are they? I don't know. And it's important to remember that comic book cinema was in a very different place in 2000 as compared to where it is right now on February the 26th, 2018, where filmmakers and movie studios and movie producers and screenwriters and actors and all the other people that make movies and whatnot, they basically had no reason whatsoever to make a a comic book movie too much of a comic book movie you know and if you watch the extras because these itunes uh, downloads that you do sometimes they in, in fact frequently they include extras and whatnot and these extras are basically recycled from the dvd releases it's pretty clear that the the i i guess the contemporaneous point of view that say brian singer or Avi Arad or Lauren Schuler Donner or just whoever, the point of view that they're working from is that, yeah, this is a comic book movie, but we don't want to make too big a deal out of the fact that this is a comic book movie. This is a film. And so, I don't know. I mean, it, it's one of those things that you, you just have to accept that comic book cinema was in a very different place 18 years ago than where it is now, you know? So... Even I, I'm not overly fond of where the MCU is or where the DCEU appears to be going. Even I have to acknowledge, guys, we've come a long way. And if you ever doubt me on that, rewatch the first X-Men movie and get back to me. So anyway, there are some other issues that are going on with the first X-Men movie, though. This movie was... I'm almost tempted to say that somebody greenlit this movie kind of on a lark in a, in a strange kind of way because there are subplots that aren't really as well-developed as they might be. There are characters that are acting a bit inconsistently. And I don't know. It's just it's, overall, I can't help thinking that the filmmaker that Brian Singer would eventually become might have taken a little bit more care with the script. But as it was, he was still on... He was still, you know, on the rise at the time that he made the first X-Men movie. And so he didn't necessarily have the clout to maybe give this script another two or three drafts to work out some of the kinks, you know? So anyway, as I say, this is not a horrible movie, but there are some difficulties with it. And a good example of what I'm talking about here is basically the broader thrust of Magneto's scheme and what it is that he wants to do. I mean, I could believe that Magneto might want to transform the entire world into, well, mutants. You know, I could, I mean, I guess I could, you know, it, it passes the squint test. You know, if you squint hard enough, yeah, I guess I could see Magneto doing something like that, right? But my reading of Magneto is and has always been that this is a guy that is committed 
to the cause, right? And if the only way that he can achieve his mission, you know, fulfill his cause and bring this uh, this sort of mutant nationalist or mutant separatist or mutant supremacist or whatever you want to call it, bring that agenda about is by giving his own life. Yeah, he's ready, willing, able, and maybe even eager to do just that, you know, die so that others can live and all of that. You know, and so I don't really think that I buy that Magneto would target Rogue and kind of use her as a proxy to create this mutant death ray of doom that is going to transform everybody into blah, 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 blah. You know, I just, I I don't really buy that, you know, and it's one of those things that, you know, the X-Men need to have some kind of an entry point into this story. And the villain specifically targeting our band of heroes is probably the easiest and most convenient way of bringing that about. And, you know, you might want to say that that sounds kind of lazy and cheap and all of that. But guys, there are so many characters that have so much backstory and require so much development. And the story requires so much exposition. I think I can overlook the fact that, you know what, we're going to play it a little bit fast and loose with Magneto as a character knowing that there's a a greater good that's being served here, you know? So, anyway. Overall, X-Men, the first X-Men movie, I dig it, but it's not really my favorite. It's never been one of those movies that made a really deep impression on me. And that, I think, to kind of segue into X2, that, I think, is one of the reasons why X2 hit people so hard, you know? One of the things that, I think is kind of undeniable is that when it comes to the summer of 2003, X2 is pretty much the only sequel that came out that entire summer that didn't suck. You know, there were a lot of sequels that came out in the summer of 2003 and all but one of them, for the most part, let people down. You know, and the big example that everybody always comes back to is The Matrix Reloaded. And it is true that, you know, there was a lot of anticipation to see The Matrix Reloaded. But when The Matrix Reloaded finally did come out, it would be fair to say that a lot of people came away disappointed, you know. And as it goes for X2, it's kind of it's kind of the opposite that most people didn't really think a whole lot about it. This, you know, yeah, people were interested to see it, but this isn't something that people were hanging on pins and needles about. You know what I mean? People, I guess they were, they were excited to see what was coming, but it wasn't, I don't think that the X-Men movie franchise at that time had what you might consider to be like a real fan base. You know, yeah, you had comic book fans and perhaps specifically X-Men comic book fans, but the idea of X-Men having sort of like broad mainstream appeal. The jury was still very much out on that in the summer of 2003, which is just about the time that X2 came out. Or as the kids say today, that's when the movie dropped. So anyway, but whatever happened, happened. And X2 caught a lot of people right between the eyes because guys, nobody was expecting this. All right. Basically, what everybody was expecting was another movie more or less along the lines of the first X-Men movie. And for that matter, I think might have even been happy with that. You know, they would not have felt like they were misled or they got cheated or anything like that. If Brian Singer had played it safe and basically done like an actual like sequel to the first X-Men, 
you know, sort of like an X-Men 2 that's, you know, it, it in terms of tone, it's about the same. In terms of narrative, takes about as many risks, you know, and it basically sticks with an established formula. I don't think anybody would have spoken out against them. But X2, it's very much of that Wrath of Khan school of sequels where, yeah, the the heroes kind of won in the first movie, but it was not a decisive victory, you know? And yeah, you know, the villains are coming back and, you know, this, except this time, they're not really pulling any punches, you know, they're, you know, the, the, the hits that they're landing hurt, you know, but in the end, you know, the end ends happily and the good guys win, but guys, here's the thing. The ending maybe isn't so happy and the victory that the good guys win a very big price is paid for that, you know, and, and on and guys here again, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to beat this to death, but you have to understand most people who walked into X2 for the first time, knowing nothing about it, were not expecting that, you know, they were expecting just another feel good action, superhero, summer adventure, blockbuster, spectacular, whatever, you know, nobody was expecting the X-Men version of Wrath of Khan. Okay. Nobody saw that coming. And I think that's one of the reasons why the movie was so well regarded and really still is, you know, it's the fact that it caught so many people completely off guard. You know, certainly I wasn't expecting that, you know, and I was familiar enough with the X-Men comics to understand, you know, the significance of, you know, this Phoenix type of thing that is never actually called the Phoenix. But guys, we know, we know what we're looking at here, don't we? And so, you know, all through the movie, I'm really, you know, digging it. I'm having a great time, enjoying myself. And then that ending happens and it's like, holy shit. You know, this movie that was already good, nobody was asking for Brian Singer to take more risks than he'd already taken up to this point because there had already been several. Nobody was necessarily asking for things to get as serious as they did, but they did. And again, I think this is one of the reasons why this movie was so well regarded. And a good, a good indication of what I'm talking about here is X3. And guys, I understand that a lot of people really don't have a lot of positive things to say about X3. But what really nobody can deny is that X3 made a shit ton of money. Okay. In... 2006, when the only hit that anybody seems to really remember is Pirates of the Caribbean 2, Dead Man's Chest, X3 made money, y'all. I mean, the simple fact of the matter is that by all rights, X3 should suck. Or, for those of you who already think it sucks, X3 should suck even more than it already does, okay? Because... You've got like I want to say it was it was May of 2005. Fox didn't they didn't even have a completed script for X3 yet. In May of 2006, just 1 year later, that's their release date. This movie went from outline to finished movie in really less than 12 months. All right. Now, a lot of people don't really seem to remember that, but that is the way that things shook out, y'all. So number one, I guess my point is X3, whether you love it or hate it, had one hell of a handicap working against it. Right. And well, actually several handicaps, not all of which were named Brett Ratner. One of them was the fucking calendar, guys. 
Okay, they were they were just up against the clock. But no matter how you want to look at it, there was a lot of anticipation for X3, and this is the point. There was a lot of anticipation for X3 that honestly, guys, you cannot attribute to the first X-Men movie. You can't really attribute it to X3, really, for that matter. All of this comes down to X2, right? That movie was so well-liked by wide audiences that that huge opening weekend that X3 had and the kind of sort of legs that it had over the subsequent weeks, all of that goes back to X2, y'all. People loved that movie, and now for the first time, they were truly up for the game. They were very excited to see what was coming, you know? And honestly, again, whether you love or whether you hate what came in 2006, you have to at least acknowledge the fact that the X-Men had arrived, okay? They had earned the success that the franchise at that point was generating, you know, the excitement and the interest that the X-Men franchise was generating at that time, you know? They'd earned it. And as to the movie itself, look, I understand a lot of the reservations that people have about X3, okay? I can even agree with some of it. I mean, look, the fact of the matter is that Brett Ratner didn't stink up the screen as much as he could have, which is kind of a big deal for him. I mean, he really did swing for the fences, and the great majority of X3's weaknesses and flaws and scabs and foibles and shortcomings, I honestly don't really blame too much of that on Ratner. I mean, he was really just a hired gun. He was told by Fox to make a movie and have it finished in time for this hard release date that cannot be moved, and so he basically had to color within the lines uh, that, that he was given. He had to work within the budget that he was given. He had to work within the time frame that he was given. You know, I don't think that it's completely fair to judge Brett Ratner as a potential X-Men movie director by X3. It's kind of like uh, trying to judge Brian Singer as an X-Men movie director based on the first X-Men movie. Well... That's not exactly fair to anybody, now is it, you know? So, anyway, all in all, X3, when people say that it's kind of a dud, I understand where they're coming from with that. I'm just I'm just saying that, you know, basically everybody everybody involved with that movie was was working against a lot of different obstacles, and that's just something that maybe we need to keep in mind, all right? Now, as to what happens in the movie, this, honestly, guys, one of the things that kind of pissed me off about X3 was that we had another fucking trilogy, okay? Then as now, I'm kind of fed up with trilogies, all right? And what I want is a sustained series of comic book films, all right? I don't need a trilogy. There are certain things in life that maybe don't fucking need to be a trilogy. I'm fed up with trilogies, all right? And... Uh, X-Men 1, 2, and 3 are their own fucked up trilogy. And I was kind of, I wasn't necessarily pissed off at the movie per se, because even when the movie came out, a lot of us knew a fair amount of the behind the scenes bullshit that had gone on that may have contributed to a lot of the movie's weaknesses. But structurally, there's no way around the fact that X-3 was intended to be the concluding chapter of a trilogy. And I fucking hate trilogies. I'm sick of trilogies. And so... I I was kind of upset just about that, all right? Now, yeah, here again, 
I acknowledge the flaws that everybody says X3 has. And, I, and like I say, I can even agree with a lot of them. But to me, the bigger sin with, uh, with X3 is that it's a fucking trilogy and I'm sick of trilogies. And so anyway, enough of that. Moving right along, we've got X-Men Origins Wolverine. Now, <clears throat> I almost can't help thinking that the, the people who made this movie heard what everybody said about X3 being a bad movie. And they said, hey, guys, you want to see a bad X-Men movie? Here you go. Now, look, the fact is, I don't think that X-Men Origins Wolverine is necessarily a horrible movie. I mean, it's got some kind of wonky continuity. How exactly are we supposed to reconcile Sabretooth as we saw him in the first X-Men movie with Sabretooth as we saw him in X-Men Origins Wolverine, right? Blech. I got nothing, okay? I don't know the answer to that. Nobody has even tried to provide an answer to that, you know? But one of the things that I will give Wolverine credit for is... Number one, it brought Gambit into live action. And number two, it brought Gambit into live action with something that kind of resembles dignity. And when you think about it, guys, that was not necessarily a given, you know? It's completely possible that Gambit really could have been made into a hash. I, look, if you look at what's what, what happened with Deadpool... In that Wolverine movie? Not that I give a shit about Deadpool. I, I've never liked Deadpool. I think Deadpool fucking sucks. I think Deadpool's annoying. I think Deadpool is... a is. This is the comic book for people who don't like comic books, okay? This is what you... This is the comic book you read so you can feel superior laughing at comics. Because this is the guy that's kind of poking fun at comics and the tropes of comics and the style and format of comics. And so... The fact that the movie did him no justice whatsoever, I don't give a shit, okay? I hate Deadpool. So, anyway. So, I don't really care about that. So, But still, it must be acknowledged that Deadpool, as we saw him in, in the X-Men Origins Wolverine, doesn't really have all that much in common with Deadpool as he was portrayed in comics. Could basically be a negative... That, that could be a sign of bad things still to come. That could be a bad omen, guys. And so for Remy LeBeau to show up, and he's not really all that annoying, at least as compared to how Gambit could sometimes be in comics, or at least how some Gambit fans of Gambit comics could could be. You know, I mean, this is a character that was brought to the screen in a very shorthand and kind of overly convenient fashion. And... You know what? Not bad. You know, it, it was a lot better than I than, than I feared. Put it that way, right? So, is X Men Origins Wolverine? Is this an amazing masterpiece of comic book cinema? Obviously not. But it's not horrible either. And honestly, if it's a choice between X Men Origins Wolverine and X Three, I'll take Wolverine every time, guys. Sorry. So, anyway, I just want to get a sip off my Coke here because I've been going on for nearly nearly half an hour and my throat gets a little bit dry. And since I'm kind of at a stop here, I'm going to take a couple drags off of uh, my, uh, my uh, vaporizer. So, uh, one sec.
All right, so moving right along. Next up, X-Men First Class. Now, guys, <sighs> X-Men First Class came out in 2011, and I honestly don't know if I've ever really talked about it on this podcast or not, but guys, 2010, not 2011, but 2010 fucking sucked for me. All right, just on a personal level, on a professional level, on a spiritual level. I mean, any possible way that life can suck for somebody, that's what 2010 was for me, right? It just sucked. And so I was not sorry to see the end of 2010, really at all. You know, I was happy to see the end of it, you know? Moving on to bigger and better things, I had no idea, you know? Uh, 2011 was fucking awesome, guys. It was everything that 2010 wasn't, and I just, I had the time of my life. It was great. It, 2011 is going to go down as one of the great years of my entire life. Uh, I met, uh, I met Stacy. We started dating and, you know, fell in love and all that stuff. I had an LCS. I was collecting comics. I had all these friends. We were seeing all of these movies, and we were all hanging out. We were eating more pizza than anybody should should ever eat, and life was just fucking great, guys. And honestly, X-Men First Class came in sort of at the early onset of, I would say, the pinnacle of 2011. And so I've got very fond and very nostalgic memories of it, just really just for that. You know, but even on a more objective level, X-Men First Class is just a fun movie. And I like the fact that it's a reboot, because this was the way that I looked at it at the time. I mean, obviously, canonically, this is not how things shook out. But at the time, the way I looked at it was, you know, if you want this to be a reboot, it's a reboot. If you want this to be a prequel to the first X-Men movies, you know, X-Men 1, 2, and 3, then it's a prequel to X-Men 1, 2, and 3. It's all in how you look at it, guys. It's whatever you want it to be. And I just, I, and I also kind of like the fact that, you know, playing into this idea of the X-Men in kind of the 1960s sort of zeitgeist. And I just thought, you know, that's a really original idea for not just a comic book movie, but specifically a Marvel movie. Take it back to the 60s, and let's see the real roots and the influences of these characters and the timeline that they made their debut in, you know, the the cultural um, uh, context in which X-Men comics were first published, you know, and I really liked that, you know. Then is now, I think that's just a freaking genius idea for an X-Men movie. And I'd love, I mean, it's probably never going to happen, but I would love to see some kind of equivalent for this, for Spider-Man and other Marvel characters. I mean, I know it's never going to happen, but it would be fucking awesome if it did. It's just, I, I dig X-Men first class, you know, whatever misgivings I had about X-Men as a franchise after X3 and after X-Men Origins Wolverine, dude, X-Men First Class made up for all of that, you know? It was just a ton of fun. And I and I kind of like the fact that, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, this is kind of Magneto's story. I mean, yeah, other characters are in it too, but let's cut the crap, guys. This really is ultimately Magneto's story. And I just, I... I'm just really taken with that. You know, I like the idea that this is probably the closest that we'll ever get to a solo Magneto movie. And I'm fine with that. You know, I mean, wouldn't necessarily say no to a solo Magneto movie, but I kind of like this. You know, I like what we have gotten. 
you know, and notwithstanding the fact that I saw the movie with Stacy and we just had the time of our lives. And, you know, I, guys, I don't pretend to be objective about this. I'm very well aware of the fact that, you know, I've got some kind of, you know, personal issues that are affecting my enjoyment of this movie that perhaps I like it a little bit more than it may deserve. But honestly, guys, I think the broad consensus of first class is that this movie really is one of the winners. It doesn't seem like there are very many people out there who are detractors of first class. So there's that, you know. And that pretty much leads into uh, X-Men Days of Future Past. And, you know, X-Men Days of Future Past, this is one of those movies that it it kind of hit a lot of... See, I don't know if I... I don't know if I want to call myself an X-Men fan because to me, if you're going to call yourself a fan of something, you need to be a little bit of an authority on it. You know, you need to know something about it. You need to have an investment in it. I mean, it's well and good that I enjoy reading X-Men comics or that I enjoy, you know, watching X-Men cartoons or watching X-Men movies. But do I really get to call myself an X-Men fan just because of that? I mean, I don't really claim any particular expertise about the X-Men. I just enjoy reading some of the comics. I've enjoyed watching all of these movies. So, I don't know, it, it almost feels like it's hypocritical of me to say that, you know, it got me right in the fanboy buttons because I'm not really an X-Men fanboy, guys, to tell you the truth. I mean, if we define fan as somebody who is knowledgeable and very deeply invested in, you know, in these characters, that's not really me, guys. I mean, I, I'm just not a big X-Men expert, you know, I'm just fucking, I'm not, you know. But whatever, to, to whatever degree that you want to call me a fan of X-Men, Days of Future Past as a film really did push my buttons, you know. It's got a lot of Wolverine in it, so that's cool. It's got a lot of Bone Claws in it, and so that's cool. It's got Blink in it, you know, little minor cameo appearance, but she is in it, and so that's cool. You know, it's got Anna Paquin, enough said, because she's wearing that tight leather outfit, so that's cool. And then you start getting into a little bit more of the interpretive difficulties <clears throat> of Days of Future Past, where Charles Xavier, that we saw die in X3, he's back, which we can half-ass account for. I mean, you know, the end credit scene or the after credit scene or whatever basically explains, you know, how Xavier could be back. But it doesn't really explain why Xavier looks like Xavier, you know? It doesn't explain why Xavier would still be crippled, you know? But whatever, fuck it. It's Patrick Stewart, he's back in an X-Men movie, so fuck you, I win. You know, that's all I need right there. It's Patrick Stewart, he's in another X-Men movie, so you don't like it, shove off. You know, because he's back, and he's in another X-Men movie, <clears throat> and it's awesome, you know? And, you know, this whole bit with Magneto having his powers back... Well, here again, X3 kind of, it kind of sort of accounted for that. You know, we did see him sort of start getting his powers back. And so, yeah, I, 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 I think I can roll with that. You know, there's honestly a lot that I can say about Days of Future Past as a film. <clears throat> and I know for a fact that I want to do a, uh, a dedicated episode, just sort of like a standalone episode about Days of Future Past, the movie. And so I don't, it's almost like I don't want to talk too much about it here, but I do want to say that I really did enjoy it. It seemed like it was a worthy follow-up to First Class. And I also like the fact that 
it's it's basically the entry point for an alternate timeline, right? Where X-Men First Class is a prequel to X-Men 1, 2, and 3, but it's also the foundation for this new timeline that Days of Future Past created. I mean, no matter how you choose to view the canon and continuity of these movies, X-Men First Class is the one thing that is the shared link in all of these movies, right? And so I, I like the fact that it, no matter what your personal X-Men cinematic canon is, it's pretty much got to include First Class. And I like the fact that Days of Future Past, it basically, it allows for what I said I wanted just a few minutes ago with a sustained ongoing franchise of films, you know, that it's more than just a trilogy now, you know, and yeah, if you want to see this as a trilogy, kind of, or as a part of a trilogy unto itself, you can, but the story doesn't end, you know, or at least so far hasn't ended, and that's what I'm looking for, you know, that's what I want, and so... Whatever I may think of Brian Singer as a person, and I happen to think he belongs in prison, but whatever I may think of Brian Singer as a person, he delivered the goods with Days of Future Past. This I do affirm. It's a great movie, and I highly recommend it. And at some point, I'll even, I'll even admit that I do, like I say, at some point, want to do an, a, a standalone episode of Trinus Magnus Punches Reality about Days of Future Past. I need to figure out how best to do that, but I know that I want to do that, so there you go. Next up comes Apocalypse. Now, basically, it seems like a lot, uh, like a lot of people were kind of left out in the cold when it comes to Apocalypse. And it, and guys, this is where uh, the fact that I'm not exactly like Mr. Big X Men fan guy starts becoming a factor a little bit, in as much as. I didn't really see anything in Apocalypse that really bothered me. I mean, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a ton of fun. I loved, uh, of course, now I'm blanking on the actress's name, Olivia Munn as Psylocke. I mean, first off, just the fact that Psylocke is even in the movie, it's almost like that's all you need to say, I'm there. You know, but, but then there's the fact that, you know, the Psylocke outfit looks so much like Psylocke's outfit in those Jim Lee comics. Okay, well, there's another victory. And now, Psylocke is played by Olivia Munn. Uh, that, I think, qualifies this thing as, I don't know, Grand Slam. I mean, this was just, an, a, just a really cool idea. Psylocke in this movie works for me on every possible level. And I just really dig it, you know? It's great. I mean, Olivia Munn, super hot. She's in the outfit. And hey, if nothing else, fuck it. It's Psylocke, you know? So, literally, what is there to not like about this, you know? It's... To me, it's just awesome. So, I love it. Then there's Apocalypse as a villain. And I like the fact that he's able to recruit Magneto to be one of his so-called horsemen. And I, you know what, at least for my own part, I kind of buy Magneto's logic in joining forces with, with Apocalypse in the first place. I mean, that makes sense to me, you know? I get that. And... I don't know, it's just overall, I just, I really like this movie, and I like the fact that it ends with the X-Men, you know, this is the X-Men in the comics, and they're wearing those comic book outfits, and I just, I like it, you know, it's like, wow, now we can finally begin, you know, I just, I, I dig this, you know, 
Uh, there's very little about X-Men Apocalypse that doesn't work for me in a big way. So anyway, so there you go. Now, last but not least, I kind of went out of chronology here a little bit because I wanted to keep the first class movies and the discussion about them kind of linked up together. But last but not least is the Wolverine. Now, guys, I'm not going to lie to you. I went into the Wolverine with pretty minimal expectations, you know? I mean, the way I view Wolverine is that he works best as part of an ensemble where you can kind of contrast him against other characters and color me surprised to find out that John Byrne apparently agrees with that because that's pretty much the way he views Wolverine. And so I just couldn't shake the idea that maybe Wolverine is best as a leading character in the context of an ensemble, which is more or less what we saw through all of the other X-Men movies, right? And here, the Wolverine is one of those movies that maybe challenges my premise a little bit in that maybe he can carry his own narrative, you know? Maybe he can be the star of his own solo movie and it doesn't have to be X-Men Origins Wolverine, you know? I saw Wolverine, or The Wolverine, and I don't know, I just, I really enjoyed it. I, you know, I mean, I'm not a big... Uh, I'm not, you know, like super knowledgeable about that whole Frank Miller take on Wolverine and what that was all about, or for that matter, even a lot of that samurai stuff that Chris Claremont did with Wolverine and all of that. Guys, I'm not the guy to talk to about that, you know, but what I can say is that, you know, having never read that stuff, I did at least enjoy what we saw in the movie and thought it was pretty neat, you know, I liked it. Now, yeah... Uh, the Wolverine does kind of introduce a couple of, or at least one, maybe more, but the one kind of continuity wrinkle that I can think of that uh, the Wolverine kind of introduces is that basically Wolverine gets his adamantium claws sheared off uh, near the end of the movie. And from there we go straight into Days of Future Past in a chronological sense. And so you're kind of left wondering, well, how did he get his claws back, you know, in time for Days of Future Past? And honestly, the answer to that is never really made clear. But what I assume is that there there could be a gap of as much as, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 years between the end of the Wolverine and the beginning of Days of Future Past. More than enough time for Wolverine to get his bone claws coated in adamantium. You know, there's more than enough time for that so however you want to look at it but nevertheless neither movie really explains that and so whatever i guess sacrifices have to be made but you know we know that the technology to do this exists and we know that there's plenty of time for it to have happened and so i think we can kind of no prize this by saying that either magneto found a way to make it happen or maybe um americo uh, found a way to give Wolverine his metal claws back. I don't know, but there's there are a couple of different ways of of working this out. Is the point? So anyway, now, and so that's pretty much that. Now, I realize I've left two X Men or X Men related movies on the table here. One of them is Deadpool, and hopefully I've explained why I haven't even bothered with Deadpool. The other one that I've left on the table is Logan, and 
you know, maybe I'll watch that at some point, and maybe I'll let you guys know what I think about it, but basically, you know, based on what I've heard about this movie, this isn't really something that I, that seems like I'm in any, I'm in any great hurry to see, put it that way, you know, I, I don't really feel any great rush to, to see Logan, you know, maybe at some point I will, and then if I do, I'll let you guys know, but at least for right now, you know, those are the two that, I just can't picture seeing, but I am, I am looking forward to, uh, this, uh, Phoenix movie that's coming pretty soon. And, you know, what the, you know, I guess the, what you know, what could be going on with that and, you know, the fun that we could have. I just, uh, I just dig that, you know, I don't think I actually said so when I was talking about apocalypse, but, you know, I like that new actor kid that's playing, uh, a nightcrawler. I like uh, the new Jean Grey. I mean, no, she's no Fomka Jansen, but, you know, maybe that's not a bad thing. You know, I, I choose to look at, you know, or at least try to see the positive in all of this. You know, the uh, the new Cyclops, that's great. You know, no problems there. You know, it's just overall, I think that the, you know, the X-Men movies, at least for right now, are going in a pretty decent direction, you know? So, I don't know. Overall, I uh, had a had quite a lot of fun, you know, watching all these X-Men movies, and, you know, even the ones that people seem to take a, a relatively dim view of, I, I didn't out and out hate them, you know, I mean, X3 and X-Men Origins Wolverine, I mean, they're not exactly shit, you know, I mean, they're, 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 they are broadly watchable, put it that way, I mean, no matter what you think of X3, it's got Fomka Jansen in it, it's got a little bit of Anna Paquin in it, and it's, uh, I'm not sure if it's politically correct for a straight guy to admire the view when it comes to Ellen Page and that, you know, black leather getup. You know, I'm not really sure how that works out, but whatever, I've always thought she was kind of cute, so whatever. And I don't know, I just, the point is there's a lot going on with X3 that, you know, you may need to scrape the bottom of the barrel a little bit, but there, there are some good some good moments to it, and uh, and there's that. And as to X-Men Origins Wolverine, well, like I say, you know, Gambit isn't as obnoxious as he might have been, so at least there's that. So, I don't know. Overall, these movies, as a franchise, I think they're actually pretty good, and I'm interested to see what's coming. And that, I think, is pretty much that. Now, I think that's pretty much it for me this time, so bye, everybody. I will see you next time.